So we talked about this on the show earlier this week, and that is the issue around softball in the Big 12, why it's not getting proper coverage. I'm Pete Mundo, HeartlandCollegeSports.com. It just seems like certain games are on that shouldn't be on. It's just very bizarre. Certain games are getting on TV that should not be getting on, and then vice versa, like Oklahoma State, Wichita State not on TV this week. Let's welcome on and say hi to Brian Clinton, our editor at Heartland College Sports. He does an outstanding job on the softball coverage as well. Uh, Brian, you wrote about this. So I, what should softball fans, especially Big 12 softball fans, be thinking about how ESPN picks and chooses these games? Well, first of all, in the same window uh, the other night when Wichita State and, and Oklahoma State were playing, uh, Iowa State and Southeastern Missouri were on television uh, through ESPN+, Plus, which, I mean, just furthers my point. It doesn't make any sense for two ranked teams to be uh, not on television, especially whenever uh, Wichita State had beaten Oklahoma State just a week prior. And and here we are again uh, with these two teams going at it in Stillwater. And and unless you were there in person, you weren't weren't seeing it. And so I think Big 12 fans uh, should be frustrated, um, for one. That was was a big non-conference game. Uh, ended up kind of pushing Wichita State into uh, maybe a hosting situation in, in uh, the latest bracketologies. But it's, it's something that the Big 12 fans should be frustrated with. Uh, and this, it's not unprecedented. That's, that's the issue. Uh, it wasn't that long ago that Baylor went into Knoxville uh, and, and beat the Lady uh, Volunteers in two games, uh, swept the Volunteers on the road, and uh, nobody back home in Waco got to watch that happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just a problem. It's a shame, and it shouldn't be that way. Uh, we need to, The networks and, and uh, the conference need to get together and figure something out because there's just no excuse for it. Yeah, and uh, there isn't, and you're absolutely right in, in pointing out you know, the fact that, as you know, and you've been following this sport for a long time, it is the fastest-growing sport in this country. We just saw the women's NCAA tournament do very good numbers. And I think, Brian, come next month, uh, Big 12 tournament, and then, of course, Women's College World Series. Uh, you'll be covering both of those um, in Oklahoma City. So I, I just think that we are headed towards a great month of college softball, and I'm excited about that. I know you're excited about that. So how about the state of the sport and what you think these next few weeks are going to bring? Oh, I think the sport is in a fantastic spot. Uh, we just saw Oklahoma and Texas set the record um, with uh, almost 9,000 fans for a regular season game, which is just incredible. And you hear Patty Gasso talk about how she remembers, uh, you know, the, the stadium where the Women's College World Series is held being not even anywhere near full, just two or 300 people in the stands for games. Now you can't get a ticket um, whenever the tournament comes around in June. And so – it's just an incredible thing to watch. And if you've been following softball uh, for a long time, you know that the last half decade, the last five years or so, the sport has just exploded. Um, and, and it's become something that that it's not taboo to watch it anymore. It's something that everybody's really excited about. And and uh, the month of May and, and June have become softball months of the year. So it's really exciting uh, for fans of softball. And uh, I think the next week or the next month or so is going to be a lot of fun to follow. Uh, lots of lots of traditional powers, but a lot of new teams uh, making their way up into the national seeds 
for for whenever selection uh, the selection show comes here in just a few weeks. So take me through then, uh, Brian. You are putting together bracketology for uh, college softball and the um, tournament that, of course, is getting underway next month. And and this has been quite an undertaking, but there's nothing else really like this out there right now. There's not many others who are doing this. So from a Big 12 perspective, uh, what are we looking at right now when it comes to the women's um, NCAA tournament here coming up in just a few weeks? So as things currently sit, uh, we've got two teams that are going to host Super Regionals. Uh, so, so Oklahoma and Oklahoma State are pretty well locked in as the number one and number three seeds overall in the tournament. Uh, those two teams look very well set up to make runs back to Oklahoma City again. Um, Oklahoma State's looking for their third straight uh, trip to, to Oklahoma City, and Oklahoma's been there so many times in the last uh, five years, it's hard to keep up with at this point. But we also have two teams um, to watch that are in – contention for uh, hosting regionals as well. Uh, Texas is very well set up at this point. I have them at number 10 in the overall seating uh, and, and looking really good to, to host a, a regional. And they could even uh, further their point to be a super regional host if they can take down Oklahoma State this weekend. Uh, but Baylor is probably the biggest story as far as uh, newcomers, as far as the Big 12 goes. I don't have them hosting uh, a regional right now, but they are right on the bubble of doing so. I have them as a two-seed going to Fayetteville to take on Arkansas uh, in what would be a really fun matchup there. But but the Baylor Bears have made um, the Big 12 something fun to follow as far as the race goes because it's not just a three-horse race anymore. You have, you have Baylor getting in there, and Texas Tech's much improved this season as well. So uh, lots of things to follow in the Big 12 as far as the tournament goes, but – it's very safe to say that there will be at least four teams in the field whenever uh, whenever the brackets come out. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm with you there uh, for sure. Now, when you look at this, because we all thought it was kind of going to be a three-horse race, and it may end up being that way, but this, this Baylor team in particular, what has stood out to you about them, and why have they surprised so many in the Big 12 and across college softball this season? Well, it really all starts with Dari Orm. She, is, she has been fantastic in the circle for the Bears. Uh, and she leads a pitching staff that's been one of the best in the country. Up until last weekend against Texas Tech, they had been really dominant in the circle uh, and hadn't had to win very many games with offense. But uh, that's the thing is they showed that they are a dynamic team last week. They gave up 26 runs but managed uh, to still win two games in in that three-game series. So uh, Baylor has, has been gritty. They've been tough, and they've showed up in big moments. They've got the only win over Oklahoma this season. Uh, the Sooners are 39 and one, and Baylor took them down in Waco back in February. Um, and and Baylor just shows up; they're not afraid of the other team and the other dugouts. Um, they've shown that against Oklahoma and twice against Tennessee. And so I think that this team is somebody you don't want to see Baylor uh, in your region if you are a if you are a national seed when it comes time for the tournament because Baylor is a dangerous team. And they're somebody that is showing that they are capable of hanging with the best teams in the country. Now, take us through again the process. I know you're right about this on the site, but um, hosting a regional and then getting to host a super regional, how is that selected? So what the, what the selection committee does is they look at a team's body of work and, um, 
and RP, RPI is, is something that's used, and that stands for Rating Percentage Index, and that's used heavily in these projections. And so you, you look at a team's body of work and their resume, and the top eight teams that are selected are selected as sites for super regionals, meaning they host the regional weekend, and they also get to host the super regional weekend, which is one weekend prior uh, after that. The 9 through 16 seeds will host uh, regional sites for the first weekend of the tournament. Uh, so getting those, getting one of those top eight seeds is, is really, really good. Uh, sets you up well to make a run, being able to play in front of your home crowd for two weekends. But uh, it's certainly something to fight for to be a regional host as well um, and getting that first weekend to, to kind of fill yourself out in the tournament and then uh, you'll have to move on to the road after that. But getting those getting those two weekends locked up is huge, and that's why um, everybody's kind of locked in right now trying to uh, do what they can to secure a spot in the top eight. When you look at this uh, league at the top, Brian, when it comes to uh, the Big 12, and we'll get to this weekend coming up here shortly, but uh, Oklahoma, I mean, Oklahoma State lost to Wichita State this week. I know Wichita State we think is a pretty good team, but still, I mean, you know, is OU going to lose to Wichita State in a midweek game? Probably not. Uh, is there any reason to believe that Oklahoma has a tougher path to repeat as national titles uh, for that national title than at some point in recent years? Or do you feel like this is a team that may be even more loaded than they've been in recent years? Well, it's, it's interesting. Um, this team, you almost kind of get sick of hearing about them, right, as a Big 12 fan because they, they just they reload every year, it seems. Um, through 40 games, they're 39-1. and one. That's the exact same record that they had in 2022 through 40 games, hmm. and it's the same record that they had in 2021 through 40 games. So uh, and we both know what happened the last two seasons. And so you kind of look at Oklahoma. They lead the country in ERA. They're under one run uh, per game. They're, they lead the country in batting average, and they lead the country in fielding percentage. So the three major, major statistical categories, the Sooners are, are dominating the sport again, and it kind of leaves you no reason to believe that they won't, um, that they won't take a run at it again. Um, I think Oklahoma State is better this season. Uh, not that they weren't great last season, but this might be the best team that Oklahoma State's ever had. And so I do think that that Bedlam series coming up in a couple of weekends is it's major uh, as far as, as standings go and, and things of that nature. But I do think Oklahoma is still by far and away the favorite uh, to, to get through it. And they're going to have to go through Oklahoma State to do so. But I still feel good about the Sooners' chances given what they have on the roster. Now, uh, this weekend, Oklahoma is at the team we talked about earlier, Baylor. They're the only team that has beaten OU this year, a three-game series um, this weekend. It is all on ESPN+, Plus for those wondering. So uh, w when you look at this series, I mean, if Baylor wins one game, does that kind of feel like a series win, Brian, in some ways? Yes, absolutely. Um, I think the deal is Oklahoma's had this, this series circled on their schedule for a couple of, uh, for a couple months now. Uh, when, when Oklahoma loses, Patty Gasso's team has been really, really good about uh, taking those losses and making it mean something. And I think that Oklahoma – has been dying to play Baylor, and I think that they've been waiting for this weekend. But they better be ready for a dogfight because Baylor isn't the same team that, they, that they've been used to seeing the last few years. This is a really solid, tournament-worthy team. And I think if Baylor can pull off a win, uh, one out of three in this, it'd be huge for the Bears because it just further solidifies 
their their reasoning for being a team that gets to potentially host a regional, and that would be a huge feather in their cap to have not just one but two wins over the Sooners uh, who haven't lost to anybody else all season long. What is, if you were to say, hey, OU is vulnerable here or in this situation, I mean, what what does anything even come to mind? What is the most vulnerable part of this OU team that, whether it's Baylor or anybody else, could take advantage of theoretically? Well, in the last three seasons, you could say it was has been the pitching staff, but but uh, Oklahoma owns the top three ERAs in the in the uh, Big Twelve and, and three of the top fifteen in the country. So uh, it's not their pitching staff anymore. I, I would say, if, if anything, there are times when the Sooners bats go cold for a few innings at a time, and if you can take advantage of that and, and get a couple run lead, um, that's what Baylor did uh, back when they won four three in, in February, but. Um, there's not a whole lot of weaknesses on this Oklahoma team at this point. They've got, they've got several players uh, that, are, that are garnering national attention. Uh, five players on the team are, are finalists for the USA Softball Collegiate Player of the Year. That's one-fifth of the field. So um, Oklahoma's just loaded, uh, and I think you really have to catch them on a good day uh, or on a bad day, rather. Uh, to get, take advantage of them, uh, but but yeah, this team is this team's incredibly good, and, and Patty Gasso just continues to show why she's the best in college softball. There is a, a top ten matchup this weekend in the Big Twelve on the softball front uh, between Oklahoma State and Texas. That series is in Austin. It's also on TV. Well, it's on ESPN two on uh, Thursday, and then the other two games are on Longhorn Network, unfortunately. But anyway, this series. Uh, Oklahoma State looking to bounce back from the Wichita State loss. Uh, how do you feel about these two teams in this series, Brian? Well, usually when a game when a team's coming in on a two uh, two game skid, uh, you would look at the other side and feel really good about it, especially in a top ten matchup. Oklahoma State's coming in on their first losing streak of the season, um, and they haven't looked particularly explosive on offense, which has been the biggest story for them. But at the end of the day. Texas hasn't been able to beat the Cowgirls since 2016 in a series in the regular season. So uh, we're looking at a team that has clearly had uh, Texas's number. And I think that if there was a point where Oklahoma State turns a corner and truly becomes a national contender, uh, somebody that can step up to the plate and, and maybe punch Oklahoma in the mouth, it's got to be this weekend because Texas is, is young, they're explosive on offense. They have a really, really good pitching staff led by Mac Morgan. And, and I think that they are hungry to finally overcome Oklahoma State. But I just – I can't pick against the Cowgirls whenever it comes to, to them going up against Texas. They've, they've had their number for, for years and years, and this might be their best team ever. I, I think Kelly Maxwell – Uh, and Rachel Becker will get it done uh, down in Austin this weekend. Okay. All right. There's the uh, prediction here with the big weekend ahead, and um, we'll be following closely. Brian Clinton, our editor at Heartland College Sports, is joining us here on the show. Always good to have him on. Let me, you know, while we have a few minutes here to wrap it up, Brian, uh, let's just spend some time on, on football just generally. You know, we talk about this all the time away from the show. But we've got these four new teams that are uh, joining this league, of course, uh, this July, and they're going to be here for the football season. Everybody knows BYU, Cincinnati, Houston, and UCF. If I were to say to you, Brian, which one of these teams, if I, if I forced you as the owner of the operation to cover one of those four teams, which one are you taking? 
it'd have to be UCF, right? Because I could talk you into letting me go down to Orlando for a couple of weeks out of the year, which would just be fantastic. That I wasn't mean, part of the deal, but uh, fine. That's a good answer. <laughs> uh, no, I, I, I just, I really like what, uh, what UCF has, has going on. I think Gus Malzahn's a great fit down there. Uh, he's an interesting character. He, you know, even back to his days at Auburn was somebody interesting to follow. And so I really like uh, what they've got going on down in Orlando and, uh, I, I certainly like what Bay, what BYU has going on as well. They'd be my second choice, but I, I think if I had to cover one, it would have to be Central Florida. I was going to say mine would be BYU just to get out to the mountains for a little bit. I, I would selfishly take BYU. UCF, I'd have second. I'd go Cincinnati third and Houston fourth. And it's not a knock on Houston, but let's be honest. We all know the state of Texas covering this league. We all yeah. live in the region. We know the state. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Dana Holgerson is kind of a pain in the butt anyway. I'm just being honest, covering the guy. Yeah. Uh, how happy How happy do you think he is coming back into the Big 12? <laughs> uh, you know, I think he knew that this day was always possible, right, because he had the job before the uh, Cougars came in. But right. I, 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 my gut tells me, that Dana is not long for this job. I think Dana went to Houston for some easy money, uh, easier path in the AAC. He's buddies with the boosters down there and whatnot. But I, I bet you if they struggle, and I don't see how Dana Holgerson has a ton of success because we saw him in the Big 12, and he had a couple of good years, but a lot of mediocre years. I, I wouldn't be shocked if he's not around after two or three years. What about you? Yeah, no, I 100% agree with you. I, I think that this is a tough league, and – and people don't necessarily give it the credit that they should sometimes, but uh, there's a reason why there's not a lot of times a team gets to the end uh, without a without a, something on their schedule, a blemish of some sort. And even when they do, uh, like TCU did last season, they find a way uh, to get beat by by a, a pesky te- uh, Kansas State team that that just got it done. So yeah, this is a tough league. I'd be surprised if if Holgerson's around for more than just a couple years. I, exactly, and he's a big complainer anyway so he's he's the king yeah. of complaining and and houston fans are going to get sick of that uh this espn football power index came out and i talked about this uh earlier as well and texas came in at fifth in the country in the football power index uh then it was oklahoma at 11 tcu at 17 tech at 22 baylor at 23 uh ucf 26 k-state 27 so seven in the top 30 that's a pretty darn good number what about this surprised you in terms of where the Big 12 teams fit into this football power index from ESPN? Well, I, I'd start with Texas being surprising, but, I mean, this happens every offseason, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, every single year we hear about how good Texas is going to be. I think the the surprising one for me was really Oklahoma at 11. Uh, after a 6-7 and seven season, I, I just didn't see uh, them putting Oklahoma all the way up at 11. Uh, and I think that's way too high for the Sooners. Uh, you're coming off of uh, the, the worst season in, in a couple of decades, and I think that they've got a lot of issues that they need to fix. Um, but I, I didn't like them at 11. Texas is pretty high at five. Um, I think TCU might be uh, a little low at 17, but but there's there's lots of things to replace there. Uh, my, my favorite of the bunch is Texas Tech at 22. Um, I'm really excited about what Joe and McGuire has going on in Lubbock. Um, and I think the Texas Tech has enough pieces coming back from last year uh, to be really, really good this season. And I think they could be uh, what we kind of get used to seeing uh, Kansas State doing and being the dark horse. But uh, but but Kansas State at 27 is a bit low for me as well. 
Um, I think that Kansas State's going to be uh, more than a Big 12 contender. I think they might be my early season favorite to win the conference. Um, but uh, but Kansas State and Texas Tech there at 22 and 27, I think maybe could be a little bit higher. I agree. They're getting uh, they're getting K State's getting shafted a little bit there for sure. So uh, can't believe it. It is also going to be off season football talk before long. He's Brian Clinton, editor at Heartland College Sports. It's always good to have him on. We'll be doing more of this as uh, softball heads into the most important time of the year. Uh, Brian, thanks as always for the time. We appreciate it, man. All right. Thank you, Pete. I appreciate you having me on. And before you go, hit that five-star rating and review the show on iTunes. Subscribe as well, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get in the podcast. It helps this show in the iTunes rankings. It does. So thank you for doing that. And that's why I'll give you a free Heartland College Sports koozie in the mail when you uh, leave a rating and a review and send me a screenshot to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. So thank you for that. We appreciate each and every one of you, and we'll talk to you soon. Have a great day.